I love to hear stories about how people ended up in the career that they have. When someone tells the process of becoming a teacher or an engineer or a stay-at-home mom or a military officer, I find it fascinating to hear about the process, all of the variables that go into that process. Education, uh, people that have been influencers on them, the financial aspect of it, uh, endurance, relationships, all of those variables. The process can be grueling, and the process could be a little bit more simplistic. Each process is unique. In the passage that we come to today in the book of Romans, Paul describes the process of someone coming to have Christian faith. Would you please join me in turning in your copy of God's Word to Romans chapter 10. Romans is the sixth book of the Christian New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. And as you listen to sermons at Harvest Bible Church, it's important to realize that we are explaining God's Word. We are preaching God's Word. So reading it here at the beginning of our time together is paramount to our understanding. It's God's Word that is important. It's God's Word that is without error. Man's Word is weak and faulty, but God's Word is living and powerful. Romans is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the Christians located in Rome. He's teaching them all about the undeserved, the unmatched, the unstoppable gospel or good news of Jesus Christ. We have been making our way through uh, uh, chapters 9, 10, and 11, which communicate the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's the the major divisions of the book of Romans, and we're there on that, that fourth division, chapter 9 through chapter 11, talking about the defense of the gospel of Jesus. The gospel's defense, meaning how it works especially within, the, within God's sovereignty and his special people, the Jewish people. Paul addresses Israel's unbelief, especially within the context of, of, of the question that we find in chapter 9, verse number 6. Has the word of God failed? Paul answers no. Paul was burdened for Israel to be saved, and that was the prayer of his heart. That's what we read in, in the first verse of chapter number 10. The problem is that Israel was looking for salvation through their own works, through their own obedience, instead of looking uh, at, at the perfect righteousness of Jesus. Today's text, which is kind of the second half of, of chapter 10, today's text repeats to us an explanation of the process of saving faith. So though it's not new information that we will hear this morning, it's invaluable to every human being. Everyone does not have saving faith. If you are one of those people who does not yet have faith in Jesus Christ, listen to Paul's explanation as to how one has saving faith. For many of us, we we have our faith in Christ. And so if you already have faith in Jesus, Paul calls you to consider your response to being saved, specifically how that message is going forward to others. Would you please follow along as I read from God's Word, Romans chapter 10. God's Word says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. 
For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness that is based on faith says, Do not say in your hearts who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near to you, in your mouth and in your hearts. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, or or won't be disappointed. Verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord over all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's our text now. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who do not seek me. I have shown myself to those who do not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Everyone who hears the gospel of Christ, everyone who hears the gospel message, will either accept it or reject it. Those who accept the gospel are called to take it to the end, take that same gospel message to all peoples of the earth, to the ends of the earth. In this text for us this morning, verses 14 through 21. Paul speaks of three categories of people. Believers, messengers, and rejectors. Let's start with considering the process of gospel believers. Look at verse number, we're going to start with verse 17. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. The process of those who have come to faith in Jesus. The process of gospel believers. The process begins with hearing. So faith comes from hearing. Friends, salvation is not mystical. Salvation is not, uh, does not come as a result of, of having a Bible near to you on your nightstand. Salvation is not guaranteed simply by reading the Bible. 
There are people who read the Bible, people who quote the Bible, but who do not have saving faith. Hearing the Bible, hearing the word of Christ, means that there is a level of understanding. The process of of enjoying saving faith, the process of possessing saving faith in Jesus begins with hearing and understanding the word of Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is what we must communicate in our evangelism. The word of Christ. Maybe we communicate the gospel message a little bit at a time. Uh, uh, you know, that we, we have one conversation where we communicate some of the gospel, and then we follow that up with, with this one that we're evangelizing a little bit later with another part of the gospel. And then a few days later, a few months later, we communicate the rest of the message. Or maybe as we are evangelizing, we communicate the entire gospel message in one conversation as the Lord would open up those doors. Or maybe it's an individual that we know, a family member or a coworker, and we repeat the same gospel message, the full gospel message, in conversation after conversation after conversation. But regardless of the timing, the words that are communicated need to be the words of Christ, the, the gospel of Jesus. That man, all of man, humanity, has rebelled against the one true living God. Our representatives, Adam and Eve, did that in the Garden of Eden. And that has been repeating itself ever since. Every human has rebelled, has sinned against God. We need to communicate also that God has a plan of of grace and love and that God has chosen people before the foundations of the world to be his children and that God has this, this wonderful eternal plan to send his son Jesus to make a payment on a cross. And to to be satisfied with that payment for all who place their faith in Jesus' payments. We need to communicate the truth of, of of God's loving redemption plan. That Jesus was sacrificed in order that people may be redeemed back to God. We need to communicate about Christ's incarnation and his perfect obedience. We need to communicate about Christ's resurrection. That Jesus rose from the dead and had complete full victory over sin and death and hell. Friends, believers don't become believers because they hear about how good they are. They don't become believers because they hear persuasive dialogue or because they hear how good life is for all who have faith in Jesus. Paul tells us that people have faith because they've heard and understand the word of Christ. It's not the word of of man that makes the eternal difference It's the word of Christ. This is what we must communicate in our evangelism. Christian, you need to be prepared for that. You need to know the word of Christ. You don't need to be a graduate of of high school or college or or Bible college or anything like that. You don't need to to have certain tools, although there's some, some great tools that are out there. But you need to know the gospel message. Because faith doesn't come through another message. Faith comes through hearing the word of Christ. A clear message of the truth precedes saving faith. It's believing the word of Christ. The process of of gospel believers begins with hearing the word of Christ, and it continues with believing the word of Christ. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The very purpose of, of evangelism is that people will hear and believe. 
understand and trust. Belief. Faith. It's not something that you can give to someone else, right? Otherwise, we would be doing that constantly. We would be making people believe all the time if we could because we're burdened for people who don't have faith in Jesus. But we can't do that. We can't change someone's heart. We can't make them believe the word of Christ. You can't change the hearts of your child or of your neighbor or your coworker. Only God can give saving faith. Ephesians 2, we know that. Uh, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own. It is the gift of God. God gifts us with faith. The purpose of evangelism is not to manipulate someone into confessing sin, but to faithfully proclaim the good news of Jesus with the hopes that God will give them faith in His Son, Jesus. You cannot cause someone to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. You could, you could try to manipulate emotions in the heat of a persuasive moment, but we all know that that is not genuine, lasting faith. You cannot give faith, but you can give the word of Christ. You can give the word out. So give the word of Christ. Do it in your conversations at, on break at work. Do it by sending someone a video presentation of the gospel message. Sending somebody a link to an article. Give them a book. We have these books in, the, in our bookstall. What is the gospel? This is a great giveaway for someone to, to give a thought to what is the good news of Jesus. Go through something like Christianity Explored. What's the best news you've ever heard? Get into a conversation that would lead to, to further discussions about the good news of Jesus. You see, everyone who hears the gospel message will either accept it or reject it. Those who accept the gospel are called to take and send that same gospel message to the people around the world. The process of gospel believers is to hear and to believe. Second, we see Paul talking to us about the necessity of gospel messengers. And here we bump back up to verses 14 and 15. Paul said in verse 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then in verse 14 he says, he asks these questions. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is not something that is exclusive to the New Testament. We read in, in Exodus uh, chapter 19, it says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my co covenant, you shall be my treasured possessions among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and he shall be to me a kingdom of priests and of a holy nation. And God is still calling his children to the corners of the earth with this beautiful message. That's the idea behind Paul's quotation in, in verse number 15. He's quoting Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, chapter 52, verse 7, which says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. It's not that everyone who proclaims the gospel has pretty toes and nice form around their heels and their arches. 
That's not the idea. Rather, it's beautiful because of the message, the tidings that are being proclaimed. The message is a message of glad tidings, good news that is carried to the ends of the earth. Here's a picture of going to try to say their names correctly. Her name is Sima. Her na- his name is Proeen. They are part of uh, an indigenous Cambodian minority ethnic group called the Bungnong. And Proeen and Sima have recently moved with their two children from that people group that they have known th- during their young life, Bungnong, to a, a different part of Cambodia that will allow them to preach the gospel to the people of the country of Laos who have come across the border into Cambodia. Proeen and Sima are learning their third language to be able to, in order to be able to communicate clearly the good news of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah would say that Proeen and Sima have beautiful feet. Tom and Betsy Lutman are headed to Mongolia just north of China, in September. While there, they will have opportunity to see hundreds of copies of the gospel message distributed to churches that serve in regions where the gospel is not prevalent. Literally, some of these people have not heard the name of Jesus. The glad tidings of the gospel are going to go to the other side of the globe and be blasted through the darkness of that land via Mongolian Christians who were already there and who Isaiah would say have beautiful feet. It's appropriate for us to emphasize the unreached people groups of our world. And by the way, this is really how we are trying to focus our attentions, our attention in missions at Harvest, to really take the good news to groups who are unreached, who don't have the gospel message that is near to them, as we do in the United States, as we do in Lancaster. We want to to, to have our eyes abroad, but the glad tidings of Jesus aren't only being spread to the far corners of the earth. You can have beautiful feet in Lancaster County this week. Did you know that we can only go so far with online invitations and banners in our yard to inform people about our picnic next Sunday evening. What if all of the homes in Northbrook Hills, my neighborhood kind of across the way, and the John Adams neighborhood right next to us, and country club estates uh, on this side of us, and this neighborhood, I'm not sure what the official name of it is, Zarker Road, Samar Road, Vista, Lambeth, those streets across there. What if all the homes Uh, in those neighborhoods, just within probably half a mile from us, will receive an invitation to come to a picnic right here in their own neighborhood. And what if 1% of those hundreds of homes, I don't know, it's probably seven or 800 homes, what if 1% of those uh, sent someone to come to the picnic? And what if just a percentage of those heard the word of Christ and responded with faith in Jesus Christ? Whoever put, you know, as we take those glad tidings, we have beautiful feet right here in our own neighborhood because we're spreading the good tidings of the gospel. It's not talking about 
paid preachers and missionaries. This is talking about anyone who can herald or announce the good news of Jesus. Brian Gerber is all the time telling nurses and doctors about his faith in Jesus. And Brian doesn't even have feet. But Isaiah would say, how beautiful are the feet of Brian Gerber to take the glad tidings to the medical field that he is interacting with. Brothers and sisters of Harvest Bible Church, a normal, a normal part of being a Christian is to herald the gospel. This isn't reserved for trained or paid individuals. It's simply part of being a child of God. We are called to proclaim the message that our God reigns. So we understand from from Romans chapter 10 that they cannot hear and believe without a messenger who is taking the message. But they also, Paul explains to us, they cannot hear and believe without a messenger who is being sent. So in verse 15 he says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? So Paul gets kind of overly obvious with us here and through a series of questions that point to the logical conclusion. They can't call upon the name of the Lord if they don't hear the name of Jesus from a preacher who has been sent to proclaim it. So a proper understanding of this text is that there are, is that there are two roles, going and sending. We see that all the time in our world, right? You can look at your job and you can see all of the different roles that people play. There are multiple roles that are happening at the same time. Maybe somebody is, is in production and maybe somebody else is in sales. And together, the company is successful. There are different roles. Paul is giving that example to us here, or that, that's, uh, that principle to us here, that there are both that are necessary from the church. So let's give consideration to, to what it means to be the goer. And let's give consideration of what it means to be the sender. So I ask, since Paul is here asking questions, I'll ask you a question. Have you considered being a goer? Have you considered going? Is God calling you to go? Young people, spend less time filling your mind with the temporary matters on your phone and more time considering the 3.2 billion people in our world who have not heard the name of Jesus. But what about those of us in the middle? I think it's a little bit easy because we see the potential in young people for us to kind of make the application to our teens or to our young adults. And teens and young adults receive that application, receive that exhortation. It's there for you. You have great potential and a life, God willing, in front of you to be able to serve with your whole life. But what about those of us in the middle, in our 30s and 40s? And to me, 50s is looking all the more middle um, Every, more, more and more every day. I know a pastor who was in a large church, secure in ministry, very comfortable, and left to go plant a church, to start out as a church planter in Salt Lake City. I wonder, here's a question for us. Are we too settled in our plans to consider being a messenger, to being the goer? What would it take for us to uproot and to be the goer? Golden Age Harvesters, you're not off the hook here. Don't be fooled into thinking that it's impossible for you to go. We can tell you about couples who have moved to Dubai to retire so they can live out their faith. 
You don't have to be the primary church planter. You don't have to be the, the preaching pastor. It's possible just to go live out your faith among, among the heathen, to proclaim the good news of Jesus as a faithful church member. Before we move to the conclusion of the passage, we should also think not about just considering about going, but what it looks like to be the sender. Paul asks, how can those gospel messengers preach unless they are sent? Don't think that, that being the sender is some kind of second-tier status. Don't ever put the missionaries up on a pedestal as super-Christians because they are the ones who are going. The missionaries don't want you to, they don't want you to do that to them, and neither does the Lord. That's not how the, how the Bible explains that. But what does sending someone look like? What should we be considering if we're staying? What should we be considering as we send? Well, here are some, here are some things that we should be thinking about. We should be praying for them to go. Pray for young people to answer God's call to consider going to take the good news. We do that in our morning worship service. We're, we're working our way through. We're in our fourth year now praying for different nations uh, of the world that God would call some from Harvest to go. Individually, dedica dedicate prayer time for current and future goers, if I can say it that way. We shouldn't just be praying. We should also be preparing them for, to go. Sometimes we get, kind of get caught up in the financial piece of it. Full financial support does not equal that someone is prepared to go. Just because they have all the support does not mean that they are ready to be a missionary. Character counts. Are they faithful to church? Do they have meaningful church membership? Do they have a knowledge of God's word? We were hearing recently of uh, friends serving in Africa, and they were just so burdened about uh, about more people coming to, to, to be missionaries, but they said one of the hardest things is, is to receive people who have not been prepared well, who are not ready to serve in that role. We can also think about our own giving for them to go, giving as we send. We are to give aggressively. We are to give generously. It's okay for missionaries or proclaimers of the gospel to have nice things. Obviously, their lives should not be marked by materialism, but there is no call, there's no scriptural mandate for the, for the mindset that says missionaries are to scrape by or to live by, with only the bare necessities. We should, we should remove any hindrance, especially financially, for them to be able to put all of their energies and efforts on the, the evangelization of the group that they are called to. So let's do well at serving them through our financial giving. We can, send, we can help be, be faithful senders by visiting them and encouraging them to stay. Often, after a few years in the field, gospel, mission, gospel messengers or missionaries often find it challenging to stay. The newness has, has worn off and discouragement sets in. Golden Age harvesters, maybe moving to Dubai is entirely impossible for you entirely unrealistic. But could you travel for a shorter time? Go babysit some missionary kids or do repairs in their homes? I've known a, a couple that went to Forest Glen Bible Camp and they spent uh, two or three months there serving over the summer just to, uh, and, and helping hold up the arms of Jeff and Jane Reason as they, consider, as they considered uh, doing ministry there. I have a friend in Brazil. He's planted four churches over the last 20 years. In, in God's kindness to them. This April has, this, this past April, his wife became disoriented all of a sudden and she got a quick diagnosis of, a, of an aggressive brain cancer. Three weeks later, she was in heaven. My, my brother, my friend, our brother, 
our friend. He needs support. He needs a listening ear. You know, so one of the good ways that we can be faithful senders and helpful senders is just to listen to our gospel partners and, and our, our, the, the messengers who have gone out. They're faulty too. They're sinners too. They have struggles too. They get depressed too. So listen versus advise. Be a listening ear to them. We can engage with our gospel partners as they come to visit us. We had one here last night. Many of you heard from Andy Thompson. Here are some more dates that are coming this summer for us to interact with the Kessner family, with Anna Gross, with the Farmer family, Craig and Lori Hartman, Jeff and Jane Reason. We prioritize those times so that we can be helpful as we send. Friends, sending means that we pray and that we give, and that we prepare, and that we encourage, and that we support, and that we listen, and that we care. We expend all of these resources of time, and money, and energy, precisely because we know that people won't call on the name of the Lord, verse 13, if they have never heard of the Lord through messengers who are proclaiming the name of the Lord, because they have been sent from our church. Harvest Bible Church, let's take seriously the responsibility that we have in sending. Let's partner well with our 11 missionary families. Don't, don't allow the tradition of missions cloud your, your judgments of the, the beginning of missions. John Piper said it this way, missions exist because worship doesn't. In other words, people are not worshiping Jesus, whether it's in Lancaster County or in some remote village in Africa, people aren't worshiping Jesus because they don't know Jesus. They haven't submitted to Jesus. So missionaries take the name of Jesus to people that are not worshiping him. Don't forget the purpose of missions, to make disciples of Jesus, to see people call upon the name of the Lord so that God may be glorified with their life. Everyone who hears the gospel message will either accept it or reject it. Those who accept the gospel are called to take or to send that gospel message to all the people of the earth. The process of gospel believers is first to hear the word of Christ and then second to believe the word of Christ. That process necessitates gospel messengers to preach the word of Christ. And it also necessitates that those gospel messengers be sent out. And all that is, is, is hopeful and inspiring for us. But chapter 10 ends with some bad news. It ends namely with the tragedy of gospel rejectors. Verse 16, Paul says, but they, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And then verse 18 says, but I ask, have they not heard? He answers, indeed they have. Their voice has gone out to all the earth, their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are, who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I've been, I've been found by those who do not seek me. I've shown myself to those who do not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held up my hands to a disobedience and contrary people. In past weeks, we have noted the reality that the Jews of Paul's day had the good news close at hand. It was all around them. Paul's point here in verse 16 is that many of them had not been listening attentively. They had not been paying attention. 
Paul clarifies that not everyone obeyed the gospel. Not everyone who hears believes. The gospel message had gone into the synagogues in many places, yet the Jews had not all, had not all obeyed the gospel. This reminds us of chapter 9, verse 6, that the word of God, that it is not the word of God that has failed. Rather, it is people who failed to believe. That is the reality. Not everyone is going to call on the name of the Lord. Some will not believe because they never heard. But some will not believe because they heard and still rejected. That's a difficult and sobering reality that the scriptures present to us, isn't it? One of our responsibilities, brothers and sisters, is to remind ourselves that it is not our responsibility or within our capabilities even to save someone, but it is our responsibility and also within our capability to evangelize someone. Be comforted with the role that God has given you. You are equipped for the role that he has put you in. Be comforted with that. God is the one who saves. You do not. Trust his plans and his purposes. Be faithful to your responsibility. Liberally sow the gospel seed. Unbelief doesn't cancel out. So, so, so someone hears the word of, of Christ. Someone hears it. You've explained it maybe over and over and over again. Their unbelief or their rejection of, 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 of Jesus does not cancel out the Great Commission. Their unbelief does not cancel out God's desire for someone to be saved. Their unbelief does not frustrate God's sovereignty. Their unbelief does not remove the Great Commission in any way. Unbelief is an individual's rejection of God's mercy and of his grace. Unbelief is as an individual's refusal to submit to the King of kings and to the Lord of all lords. Unbelief is a choice to continue in disobedience instead of trusting in Jesus' perfect record. Unbelief for the Jews was not because they had not heard. It was near to them. Paul quotes much from the, the book of Isaiah here as he closes out what is for us chapter 10. We can understand why the book of Isaiah is often referred to as the fifth gospel. Gentile belief should not be offensive to the Jews. They should not find it offensive, yet they do. And Isaiah predicted that God would reveal himself in a saving way to those who do not ask for him, namely the Gentiles. So while many of, of Paul's kinsmen, the Jews, had rejected God, many of the Gentiles had accepted God. Both of these situations were predicted by the prophet Isaiah, as Paul quotes. Paul is is wrapping up his argument from chapter 9, verse 16. The unbelief of the Jews was not because the word of God had failed. It was because the Jews refused to receive that word. God had been faithful. If someone does not trust after you have witnessed many times, the problem, the failure is not with the word of God. The failure is with their refusal to believe. The failures with their unbelieving hearts. So in verses 19, 20, and 21, Paul teaches us that Israel was, was unaware of the predictions that the Old Testament had made about them. 
and their ignorance of the scriptures was not because they didn't know. They did know, at least intellectually. So they didn't have any excuse for rejecting God's salvation. And God chose to bless some Gentiles. Some Gentiles were saved, and that made God's chosen people jealous and even angry at points. Glad tidings of the gospel can be communicated, but those glad tidings must also be received in faith by those who hear. God's undeserved, unmerited grace demands, calls for, a positive individual response. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who, whoever believes in him will have everlasting, eternal life. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through his son. Have you believed? Have you called on the name of the Lord to be saved? John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. I invite you, if you've never called on Jesus to be your Savior, you've never placed your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross, I invite you to do that today. If you have questions about what that might mean or what that might look like, chat with me after the service today. Let's be reminded, Harvest Bible Church, of our responsibility to take the glad tidings of the gospel to the people of Lancaster County and to send others to take that message to the people located all around the globe. This is what God has called us to, to be a goer or to be a sender. Somebody once said it this way, go, send, or disobey. Those are the choices. Friends, faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Let's pray.